Welcome to the sermon podcast of Damascus Road Church. For more information about Damascus Road Church, go to damascusroadonline.com. Okay, um, so I'm going to speak on today about how the Holy Spirit is an empowerer. He came to empower us. One of the traits is that he gives us power. Okay, so it's kind of a bold idea to teach on and preach on verbally about the power of the Holy Spirit, right? And, and, to, and to hope that we can learn something or receive something imparted from the Holy Spirit about him being an empowerer. Okay, so that's, that's where we're going to go today. And so um, just want to start out with a few questions, and I'm hoping that we can participate a little bit. And I'll let you know also that Towards the end, when we're done, I'm hoping that we can spend some time in prayer together and maybe even just at your tables. Um, Because the thing about when we teach on, I guess, anything in Scripture, but even more specifically on the Holy Spirit, I think that there's a danger in us just hearing words and having sort of an intellectual appeal to this concept of the Holy Spirit. And I think we miss a huge opportunity of actually letting the Holy Spirit speak and actually listening to him because he's a person who speaks and his attributes are what we're going through and that he empowers, okay? So because of that, I think that we would miss significantly an opportunity if we weren't to quiet our hearts, spend some time in prayer together. And so I'm hoping that we can do that towards the end, okay? When you think of... um, So first of all, I don't know if Justin's shared this before or not, but when you think about the Holy Spirit, depending on your background or how long you've been around church, sometimes this, the third member of the Trinity, the the Holy Spirit, has a lot of like, for lack of a better term, there's some baggage that comes with talking about the Holy Spirit, depending on what your background is. Is that right? When people think that, or people have sometimes, I know I myself have had, of maybe a preconceived idea of who the Holy Spirit is or how he operates, right? And so I just kind of want to mention that, like kind of speak to the elephant in the room possibly, that as we're talking about the Holy Spirit, we maybe come to the Holy Spirit with an idea of who he is, likely based on either lack of experience with the Holy Spirit or an experience that we've had with the Holy Spirit. Or even by just seeing other people and hearing what they say about what their experience has been, right? So is that, am I getting at something there? Is there something there where, so I just want to just know that. And my challenge to you as we're going through this is to just hear the words of Scripture and let the Scripture speak for itself. They don't, I don't have like a text. Here's the text where we are and we're going to camp out all morning Um, I have a bunch of different texts that we're going to be going through, and so I'll mention them. We'll mostly be in Acts, and we'll spend some time in Romans, and so I'll try to slow down so that we can, excuse me, read through those verses together, but I'm going to start with some concepts, okay? So when you hear of the word Holy Spirit, in your mind, I guess, think about what comes to mind. And if you have a notepad, if you want to write some traits down, if you write some things down, that, like when you think of Holy Spirit, what's the first thing you think of? Write that down. Say, this is what I think of. I'll give you some time to do that. 
we tend to, as believers, I think, and I've talked to other people about this as well, just in a small group, I think we tend to, when we look at who God is, we look at the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit. Up until recently, the Holy Spirit was referred to always as the Holy Ghost, which adds another layer of nebulousness to it, right? But I think, we, I think we, we, will, we will not learn as much if we don't own kind of the awkwardness of our past about this. And so that was kind of, up until recently, known as the Holy Ghost. So I think, depending on what your background is, you may be more comfortable with one of the three. Like when you think about who God is in his Trinitarian three-part Godhead, right? There's God, the Father, the Son, Jesus, and the Holy Spirit. Who are you most comfortable with? If you had to have one of them over for dinner, who would you be the most easy having into your home? Now, this is, this is an exercise I want us to grow and I want the Spirit to move, so it's, I want to be careful with that. Like, I don't want to separate anything. But I think we, in our experiences, we have a comfort around one of the three. You know? There's the, the, and, and this is right or wrong. More, more like, I think wrong when we separate them, right? There's the Jesus camp. I'm just about Jesus, right? And, and candidly, if you have a little bit of like this, there's been a resurgence of and a movement toward, and we, I think, are in that part where we say, hey, we want to be gospel-centered. We want to be all about Jesus, which is good, right? But if that's all we're about, I think we're missing a significant amount, right? And then you can be like, oh, then there's the people who are just, this, just the love of the Father, ah, the Father, you know what I mean? Just, just the Father, 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 right? And then there's like the Holy Spirit crowd. And sometimes, again, depending on your background, you're like, that's, that's these guys over here. Those are, the, those, are the, those are the folks that like, I don't want to be associated with because they're crazy, right? Like we do that. We do that. And I think because of our experiences, we maybe push aside the Holy Spirit because of people, right? So again, right the other thing, who would you be most comfortable with if you had to say, one of the three, right? And so my, my task, I guess, today, and what I want us to do is to speak about the Holy Spirit. We've talked about him recently. I think I'm trusting that Justin talked about how the Holy Spirit is a person, not a force or an energy, right? He's a person, and we have a relationship with him, but he comes with power. So when you think of power, when you think of power, what comes to mind? Like, Boom, power. What's the, first, what's the first thing you think of? And you guys can speak back to me about it. Like when you think of the word power, what do you think of? Miracles, okay. Miracles. Anything else? Strong? Is that what you said? Strong? A king? Okay, so like a positional power. Anything else? Horse? Force. Okay, force. What would you say, John? Fire. So you think of all these things are powerful. Anything else? Potential. Okay. Anything else? Being able to get being able to get things done. You have the power to get things done. So power, getting things done. A force. Fire. All of these things. Um, I one thing other thing I wrote down like just even the ability. Like if you think of like a power plant, it runs things right. Like we get our energy from a power plant, all these different things. So just wanted to break down kind of traits of what we think of when we think of power. Okay, so I'm going to dive into kind of, I'm getting there. What we're going to talk about here is when the, when the power of the Holy Spirit comes, what does he come to do? 
What does the power of the Holy Spirit do in our lives, right? So if we, being we're Bible-centered, gospel-centered, Jesus-believing Christians who love the Father and are empowered by the Holy Spirit, what does that look like for us? Okay, that's what we're going to talk about today. So if we, look in the, if we look in Scripture, we see all of these things. We see the disciples operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. We see Jesus operating in the power of the Holy Spirit. And we see some things that they speak out against, right? So that's what we're going to look at today. We're going to look at some of the disciples. We're going to look at Peter and John. We're going to look at Jesus. And like I said, we're going to spend some time in prayer. So speaking of prayer, let me pray before we really dive in, okay? Holy Spirit, I ask that you'd be here this morning. I ask that you would, right now, even as we are sitting here quietly and we're talking about things that we've maybe thought about you wrongly, I ask that you would come and correct our thinking and that you would come and speak, that you would come in power, that you would empower us, that you would embolden us to hear your word. I pray for the power of your word to come in, speak to us and convict us, but that we really truly would be empowered by your Holy Spirit this morning, to live a life that is fueled by your Spirit, where we are filled by your Spirit, and we act and live and move by your Spirit. I ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Okay, so as we're diving into this, um, I'm studying, I'm reading, I'll I'll mention this. I I always talk about Francis Chan, because do you guys know who Francis Chan is? Has anyone read this book, The Forgotten God? It's kind of a lot, it's, it's a really good book. So it's called The Forgotten God, Reversing Our Tragic Neglect of the Holy Spirit. I would recommend this because, um, anyways, like the title says, just, it's really good. And as I was reading that, and as I was reading scripture, this is, I'll just be candid, it's personally convicting to me. Like, significantly personally convicting to me. To think that, um, I guess I'll a- ask this question. When we talk about the Holy Spirit, and we start to dive into some of this stuff, when we think about our Christian walk, I would ask you this, is this is the question I've been asking myself recently, and this is the convicting part. Are we living a life that requires the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? If we look at our life, are we living our life in such a way that we are, our life requires that we have the Holy Spirit in us? If we kind of do like an analysis of our daily life, the things we do or the things we don't do are the things, are the way that we're living. Are we living a life that, is, that requires the empowerment of the Holy Spirit? I would say for me personally, probably not. Probably not. And I would argue that many of us in this room and in the church as a whole, we're probably not. Okay? That should feel heavy and convicting because it is. I think sometimes we have it really easy and we can live a life very easily where we can go for a long time and never even think about the Holy Spirit, let alone have our life be set up in such a way that we can't live our life without the power of the Holy Spirit. That's convicting. So we'll start there, okay? (laughs) So we'll start there. So we're going to look in Acts 1, verse 8. So Jesus dies, he, he beats death, he comes, back to, he comes back to earth, and he spends about 40 days with his disciples. And if you can read that at the end of the Gospels, he spends a fair amount of time with the disciples, and he's just hanging out, and he's ministering to them, and he always comes in peace, 
right? And he says, hey, I come in peace. And then you see at the end of John, he breathes on them and they get the Holy Spirit, right? He breathes on them, they get filled with the Holy Spirit. And then as he's leaving, he says this in Acts 1.8, but you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem in all of Judea and Samaria and to the end of the earth. This is the last thing that Jesus speaks to the apostles, the disciples, and his followers. This is the thing that he says to them. You will receive power. So the disciples are left here with Jesus going back to heaven. And right before that, if you look at Acts 4, they were asking him, like, hey, when are you going to take care of all this business of the kingdom? Like, let me just go to it, actually. Um, we look at Acts I wasn't planning on going here, but I want to read this quick. So they'd come together in verse 6. Lord, when will you at this... So when they had come together, they asked... This is the disciples asking to Jesus, right before the ascension. When they had come together, they asked him, Lord, will you at this time restore the kingdom to Israel? So they're like, okay, that's awesome. We were bummed out. You died, and we were really bummed out about that. And then, oh man, we were encouraged again when we saw you come back to life and you beat death. And he spends a bunch of time with them, and they're like, okay, cool. That's great that you're here. What's your plan? What's your plan, right? And Jesus says to them, it is not for you to know times or seasons that the Father has fixed by his own authority. So if you're the disciples, you're like, what? Like, you just defeated Satan, sin, and death. You've been with us for 40 days now. Like, we're in. We believe you. We're ready to get at it here, right now. Like, when are you going to restore Israel? When are you going to restore the kingdom in this military power? As I'm sure there were some who were just like, yeah, that's great that you're healing people. That's great that you're casting out demons. That's cool. And yes, we're in. We're going to follow you. But like, I'm ready to get at it. So when are we doing that? He's like, it's not for you guys to know. By the way, I'm leaving, and you will receive the power of the Holy Spirit. <laughs> you will receive power when the Holy Spirit has come upon you, and you will be my witnesses in Jerusalem and all of Judea and Samaria. So then they're left gazing. They're like, what? Right? So put yourself in that spot. You're like, man, I was ready to get at it. He leaves, so he's like, hey. And in, and John, he also says, it'd be better that you leave, because I'm going to send the counselor. It's better that I leave. I wouldn't have believed him. No, nah, I'm pretty sure it's going to be better if you stay here. It'll probably be better for all of us if you stay here. But Jesus, he understands who the Holy Spirit is. His whole life has been fueled by the Holy Spirit. And everything he said has come from the Father. So he gets the unity, right? He gets the community of the Trinity, right? And so then he says, listen, you're going to get power. So now you're like, man, I want this power. I want this power. So we see all through Acts 2, the Holy Spirit comes Pentecost happens. It comes in a powerful way. The room shakes and the believers are filled with the Holy Spirit and they start speaking in tongues. People don't know what's going on. People think that they're drunk. And Peter gets up and stands up and says, hey, listen, hold on. So Peter speaks with a boldness that comes from the power of the Holy Spirit, where previously boldness hadn't really been at the top of Peter's list, right? Like we saw recently, he had just denied Christ three times. And then one of the last things that Peter's encounter with Jesus was when Jesus came back and he said, hey, do you love me? Do you love me? And there's a, that whole scenario, right, where he's talking about, like, he had to drill him, like, hey, are you in or what? You've gone fishing? 
right? So now we see that Peter's life has changed, and it comes after being having an encounter with the Holy Spirit, and he's filled with the Holy Spirit, and he speaks with boldness. So I'm going to go quickly here. So in Acts, 12, in Acts 2, 14 through 40, you see this long sermon where, G, where Peter just preaches, and he just brings it heavy, right? And there's 3,000 people that are added to their number that day, right? 3,000 people. So then, J, so then Peter, and John, Peter and John are walking around, and there's this energy, there's, this thing, there's all this stir, stirring going around, right? And this, that's where they go and they heal this lame man. I'm not going to focus on like Acts 2. I'm going to focus, keep getting down here. But then there's this man who's like, hey, I want, which I, can, you, can you give me some money in Acts 3? And, and they say, no, we don't have money, but you can stand up and walk. What we do have, we'll give you. So stand up and walk. So then we see that like, now we see the, the, the religious leaders at the time there, the chief priests, the Sadducees, they're like, wait, what is, I thought we killed Jesus. I thought this was done, right? And now, these guys are coming back with a force. This is really powerful, I think. So in Acts 4, well, first of all, Peter and, and John in Acts 3 says, two, in Acts 3, let me read this. When he's speaking, one of the things that, he, when he's speaking to the people in Acts 4, 15, he says this, And you killed the author of life whom God raised from the dead, and to this we are witnesses. Talk about boldness. He's speaking out. He's like, you killed this man. I mean, that's bold. He would not be able to do that unless it was through the power of the Holy Spirit. So then the, the, the religious crowds, they bring, him up, they bring Peter and John in, and they say, hey, what is going on? And in Acts 4, verse 7 and 8, this is what we see. It's really, really powerful, I think. Well, starting verse 5, actually. On the next day, their rulers and elders and scribes gathered together in Jerusalem with Annas, the high priest, and Caiaphas, and John and Alexander, and all those who were of high priestly family. So this is not just, by the way, this isn't just the, like the, like the ruling council of the, of the church. This is like those who have like prestige and power, right? So there's like the religious leaders and there's like the leaders. These guys are all gathered together being like, what are we going to do? So they pull... And they, in verse seven, and when they had sent them in, and when they had sent them in their midst, they inquired. So these guys recognize what's going on. They inquired of John and Peter, by what power or by what name did you do this? It's interesting to me that they're like, you saw this this lame, and they're referring to the lame man getting healed. They're like, by what power and by what name did you do this? So they recognize that there's power. They recognize that there was power in the name of Jesus, but they're, they're scared, and I, I think. They're like, we, we killed this guy. We thought we were done with it. And then they proceed to tell him, hey, listen, in verse, seven, in verse 18, they say, hey. So, they, call, so they, they say, they call him back in after they deliberate a little bit. They're like, hey, listen, we've talked. We've gathered for a little while. We actually don't want you guys talking about Jesus anymore. Can you guys just do that? <laughs> you know? So they say in verse 18. So they call them and charge them not to speak or teach at all in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John answered them, Whether it is right in the sight of God to listen to you rather than God, you must judge. Verse 20. This is where I want to camp for a second. For we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. So here we have this picture, right? The Holy Spirit comes. The believers are filled, the apostles are filled with the Holy Spirit. 
Peter stands up and preaches boldly. Many come to Christ because of that. They start speaking out against people, saying, hey, you guys killed the author of life, right? And then the ruling council brings them in and says, hey, who, what are you doing? Who are you, by what power are you talking about here? By the way, you can't do that anymore. And they say with power and boldness, they say, hey, listen, whether you think that's right or not, I don't know what to tell you. We, we, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. That, to me, when I'm reading that, that's one of the more convicting verses that I read. We can't stop speaking about what we've seen and what we've heard. So you can tell us to stop, but we can't because we've seen the power of the resurrected, resurrected king and we've experienced the power of the Holy Spirit. He's come and he's breathed on us and we're seeing people come to Christ and surrendering their life to him. So you can tell us to stop, but we can't stop because we've seen and we've heard. Have we seen and have we heard? Let that sit on you. Do we feel compelled to speak and live because of what we've seen and what we've heard? The ans- if the answer is no for you, like it is mostly for me, I wonder how much we're living by the power of the Spirit. That's convicting, right? So these guys, so I always love Peter because he's such a bonehead sometimes, right? Like he, and I love that about him because I'm just like, this guy, this uneducated guy who is just chopping ears off, being like, I'll take care of this. Oh, wait, never mind. I'll deny you, right? Like he's got this, he reminds us of us. Some minutes we're like, yes, I'm in. I'm all in. I want to live for you. I'm going to go passionately for you. I'm all in. Wait a minute. That's going to cost me my reputation. Wait a minute. That's going to actually be kind of painful. When do we get at actually restoring this kingdom again? Because I'll do, you know, it's like, woo until the Holy Spirit comes, until the Holy Spirit comes and speaks, and then he gets boldness. And then they say to the ruling council, these guys are powerful people. They just killed Jesus. What do you think they're going to do to them? Put them on house arrest? I mean, they have the power to kill these guys. They have the power to kill these guys. And they say, we cannot but speak of what we have seen and heard. And then it continues. And when they had heard no, had, and, and when they had further threatened them, they let them go, finding no way to punish them because of the people. <laughs> we're all praising God for what they'd happened. So they're like, we're going to continue to threaten you, but you're going to leave. So these guys go back to the rest of the believers, and they report back, and they say, hey, guess what these guys, guess what the ruling council said to us? We're not supposed to speak anymore about Jesus. And the response and the response is, when they were released, they went to their friends, this is in verse 22, and reported what the chief priests and elders had said to them. And when they heard it, they lifted their voices together to God and said, Sovereign Lord, who made the heaven and the earth and the sea and everything in them, who through the mouth of our father David, your servant, said by the Holy Spirit, Why do the Gentiles rage and the people plot in vain? The kings of earth set themselves and the rulers were gathered together against the Lord and against the anointed. And then he says in verse 29, because he keeps going there. And now, Lord, look upon the threats and grant your servants to continue to speak your word with all boldness. So here they are. They're getting threatened, right? And they, Peter comes back and says, hey, we're not supposed to talk about these guys anymore. Right away, when faced with the threat, they say, we're going to pray. We're going to raise our arms up to the, to the heavens and say, give us boldness to speak. 
They're not even for a second, they're not even like, oh, we should consider probably for the betterment of our families and our futures, maybe we shouldn't talk about Jesus anymore. No, they're like, what'd they say? What threats did they come back to you with? Oh, we can't talk about Jesus? We're going to go to him right now. We're going to ask for him to give us power. This is convicting. This is convicting. Verse 30, while you stretched out your hand to heal and signs of wonders were performed through the name of your holy servant. And then, wait, and when they had prayed, the place in which they were gathered together was shaken and they were filled with the Holy Spirit and continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. They, were continue, they continued to speak the word of God with all boldness. We often wonder sometimes, like, oh man, I just don't know if I've had an opportunity to speak, and you know, like, I got my friends, and they know that I'm a Christian, but like, I just, you know, I just don't want to, I'm speaking, that's what I do. I, I share this all the time, almost every time I preach, like, I care more about what people think about me than what I think Jesus thinks about me, and that's convicting. That is convicting. So we need to learn from Peter and John, and we need to, we need to line our prayers up like those of the disciples that they had. Oh, there's adversity coming against us. Oh, we're not supposed to be the exclusivist Christians in this culture where anything goes. Good Lord, would you give us your spirit to give us boldness, to live a bold life fueled by your spirit, and then speak. And then speak. I think we've done a good job. I think we've done a good job showing people, like, hey, we're not those guys. I'm speaking for myself, right? Like, we're not those guys who are just really crazy. Like, we're trying to live a life that's, like, honoring to people and treating people with dignity and loving people and being generous, you know? I think we need to speak. And I think we need the Holy Spirit in order for us to have boldness so that we can speak. Amen? Okay. So, here's what we see. They, they were, these guys were uneducated, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit. They were common, not powerful people of position, but they were filled with the Holy Spirit and they were able to speak with boldness for the purpose of being Jesus' witnesses, for the purposes of building up his kingdom. Are we doing that? Are we living like that? Do we want the power of the Holy Spirit in our life so that the kingdom can get built? Or do we want the power of the Holy Spirit for our own end? Or do we not even want the power because we think we're doing all right without it? Right? Are we hungry for the power of the Holy Spirit? Are we hungry for him to actually speak to us and to actually convict us and to actually reveal himself to us? Do we want that power? If we're honest, do we say, yes, Holy Spirit, come, empower me? Do we want that? I think that's the first thing we need to challenge ourselves with. Do we actually want the Holy Spirit? Let's set aside all the conversations about like, and this is real, by the way, and I'm hoping we'll get to this later. We're going to talk about a lot, right? At the end of this year, we're going to talk about gifts. That's where people get really hung up, right? We're going to talk about the gifts of the Spirit, but we're going to talk about, there's a lot of stuff to talk about here. Let's set all that stuff aside. Do we actually really want the Holy Spirit in our lives? Do we actually want him to empower us? Would we know what it looked like if it was, if he was in us? I would hope that there would be a difference in the way we live after we've had experience and after we've been filled with the Holy Spirit, right? So, I want to talk to you about Jesus now, okay? I want to talk to you about Jesus' experience because Jesus' experience 
with the Holy Spirit gives a lot of insight into us on how we will live once we are filled with the Holy Spirit. Because I'm convinced that if we say yes to the Holy Spirit, we say, yes, I want, I'm convicted, I want to repent of my neglect of, my disbelief in, right, my reliance on your Holy Spirit, fill me, I'm yours, like I want you to have more of me, I want to be surrendered fully to you. If this happens, if we surrender ourselves to the Holy Spirit and we say, hey, you can have it all, like literally, like you can have me, like you can... I think sometimes we don't ask because we're afraid he's going to say something to us and we actually don't want to hear what he has to say. But if we get through that and we say, hey, I'm yours, like I'm in, we get a little bit of insight on what's going to happen when we look at Jesus' life. So if we look in Matthew 3, 16. Matthew 3, 16. This is in the other Gospels as well too, but I want to read it here. Matthew 3.16. I'll read this. And when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water. So this is where John the Baptist comes, and Jesus says, hey, and, and John's like, hey, no, I can't baptize you. What are you doing? He's like, no, you're going to baptize me. Right? So, and, when he, and so when Jesus was baptized, immediately he went up from the water, and behold, the heavens were opened to him, and he saw the Spirit of God descending like a dove, and coming to rest on him. And behold, a voice from heaven said, this is my beloved son with whom I'm well pleased. So Jesus hasn't started his public ministry yet, right? We kind of went out of order here. We talked about what it was like when the disciples got filled with the Holy Spirit. Now we're going to see what happens when Jesus does. So Jesus was on earth for a long time, for 30 years before he actually started his public ministry. He goes and publicly gets baptized and, and the heavens open up and the Holy Spirit ascends like a dove. And we hear God, the Father, speak and say, this is my son with whom I'm well pleased. Yes! Awesome! Jesus built the Holy Spirit. He's going to get at it. He's going to go do what the disciples were hoping for, right? He's going to restore the kingdom of Israel. He's going to redeem their position of power. He's going to give them a place. It's on. God said it. I'm proud of my son. The Holy Spirit fell. He made a public proclamation, was baptized. It's on. Let's go. Nope. Matthew 4. Then Jesus was led by the Holy Spirit into the wilderness to be tempted by the devil. And after 40 days and 40 nights, he was hungry. That's logical and reasonable. After 40 days, he was hungry. And the tempter came to him and said, If you are the Son of God, command these stones to become loaves of bread. So you know that story. So the enemy continues to taunt and just harass Jesus. For the rest of the time that he's praying there, he comes and he speaks accusation at him. And what does Jesus do? He responds every time. He responds with Scripture, right? Filled with the Holy Spirit, responds with Scripture. And the enemy, I've mentioned this almost every single time I preach, but the enemy will always attack your position of sonship with the Father. That's a free one. That's not in the notes here. But the, the enemy will always come after you and your position of sonship with with the Father. What does he say? What does the enemy say? If you are the Son of God, if you were the Son of God, if you were, how many times does the enemy come at us and accuse us of who we are? Right? But here's the thing to note. So Jesus is filled with the Holy Spirit, ready to start his ministry. A, he goes into the wilderness to pray and fast. Are we praying and fasting? Is our life 
reflecting what Jesus' values were, praying and fasting. Because he knew he needed to hear from the Father before he started his ministry, and the enemy was right there. He was right there to start launching. I'm going to start accusing you. If you were the Son of God, this. If you were this. And there's this battle, right? So if we are not experiencing the attacks of the enemy, good Lord, are we actually making impact on the kingdom? I think evidence of the fact that we are moving forward and attacking the kingdom of darkness is that the enemy comes at us. So sometimes we get so comfortable that we don't experience spiritual warfare like Jesus did. Again, that, should, that can be and should be convicting, right? More often than not, spiritual warfare will follow a movement of the Holy Spirit. When you get spoken to, you're like, oh. so say you say this, okay, I want to repent. I want to come back. I want to surrender my life to you, Father, to you, Jesus, to you, the Holy Spirit, the whole package. I'm in. The next, I mean, don't be surprised if the next day you start feeling like doubt. You start feeling like you are getting accused because more than likely you are. The enemy would love no more than for the church in the U.S. to forget and neglect at a further level the Holy Spirit. And so if he can keep the church re, like completely neglecting the Holy Spirit, he didn't have to do anything because he knows that's where the power is. It's in the Holy Spirit. Okay, so just be aware. If we are walking in the power of the Holy Spirit, the enemy will attack us. And that's a sign that we're likely off to the, we're around the right path. That's not like that encouraging other than the fact that we are in the path that the Father's put us on and we will have power from the Holy Spirit. Amen? So if Jesus was going to get tempted, if Jesus was going to get accused, if he was going to get attacked, we should be prepared to be tempted, accused, and attacked ourselves. Amen? So we don't want to, we don't want to just welcome the attacks of the enemy just for the sake of getting, oh, great, I'm so glad that I'm, I'm a target now because now I'm, I'm doing something good. The reason we should desire the Holy Spirit is so that the kingdom and the church can get built up. As a byproduct, what's going to happen with that is the, enemies will, the enemy will attack us. So we need to be able to be equipped with Scripture so that we can speak against the attacks of the enemy just like Jesus did. Amen? All right. So, I'm convinced that we are living, that all of us, everywhere, all of humanity is living by the power of something, right? We're living under the power of something. It's just a matter of under what power we've submitted ourselves to and invited ourselves to be under, okay? So you look around you, you see people, and you're like, man, are they living by the power of the Holy Spirit? Or are, they living the, or are they walking in darkness? Like, which power are they under? I'm convinced that it's not a matter of if we're under the power of something, it's, under, it's what we're under the power of. And so I want us to be, I want to be under the power of the Holy Spirit. So we need to be able to distinguish the two. So the enemy will always attack us and come at us with fear, 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 right? That's the enemy's biggest, biggest tactic against the body, against the church. He will use fear to distract us, to cripple us, to stop us, to make us not move forward all the time. That's, his num that's one of his largest tools in addition to like, keeping it because he can use fear to keep us subdued 
and not relying on the power of the Holy Spirit. Right? So if you look in Romans 8, Romans 8, verse 15. Let me get there. Romans 8, verse 15. For you do not receive the spirit of slavery to fall back again, back into fear, but you received the spirit of adoption as sons by whom we cry, Abba, Father. Verse 16. The Spirit himself bears witness with our spirit that we are children of God. We, if, if Paul has to remind us that we have not received a spirit of slavery that takes us back into fear, but we've received a spirit of adoption as sons, and we cry out, if you look at the way this is in the ESV, I don't know how it is in a different translation, who cries out, Abba, exclamation mark, Father, exclamation mark. That's what the spirit that we have in us from the Holy Spirit cries out, Abba, Father. I used to read that, Abba, Father. It's Abba, Father. Right? There's a distinction there, right? You're like, oh, man. It's not one of fear that makes us a slave to fear. We are gripped with fear. We don't act or live with courage because we're gripped with fear. Fear of failure. Fear of the past. Fear of success. Fear that what it would actually look, out, look like if the Holy Spirit actually moved. I don't know what it's going to be like, so I'm just going to not do anything. That's convicting, right? And we have the ability in this country with this economy that we live in to live our lives in a way that we don't actually have to put that demon of fear to death because we can live our life with them there. And that's convicting. So we need to get rid of that. Paul says in 1 Corinthians 2, verse 4, And my speech and my message were not in plausible words of wisdom, but in demonstration of the Spirit and of power, so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. But Paul says, I didn't come to you and tell you all this fancy stuff and all these powerful wisdom words so that you would think, oh, all I need to do is just line myself up with this teaching. No, I came to show you. But he came in the demonstration of the Spirit and power so that your faith might not rest in the wisdom of men. Do we rely on the wisdom of men? Have we gotten comfortable just relying in our own humanity, or do we rely on the Spirit? Are we relying on the Spirit to empower our lives? Paul says in 1 Corinthians 4.10, For the kingdom of God does not consist of talk, but of, what is it? Power. It's not of talk, it's of power. I'm guilty so often of just talking. Every time I preach, I don't preach that often. Every time I preach, it's, I get so convicted. I get so convicted. I'm like, what? I'm just living off my own, my own power, which is peanuts and nothing, right? I think the things that we do, we convince ourselves that we're powerful. We get a little bit of like influence or a little bit of leverage or a little bit of success or a little bit of whatever you want to call it, and we think, I'm good, man. You should look at me. Look how good I am. Look at me. I've done all these things, right? And I feel like the Father's like, yeah, imagine what you could do if I was in control. Imagine you've done that on your power. Imagine what you could do if you had my power. Amen? 
So we need to walk in the Spirit. We need to walk in the Spirit. And so far, this hasn't been very encouraging because we're getting challenged, right? We, and, and so you're, you might be sitting here thinking, so great, that's awesome. Beat me down, man. Beat me down. I'm telling you, I'm right here with you, right? So here's what it says in Romans 8.26. Romans 8.26, if we continue on that same thinking. We are weak and we need the power of the Spirit, right? Romans 8.26. Likewise, the Spirit helps us in our weakness. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Let's not just read that and move on to the next verse. The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Are we weak? Do we lack power? Do we succumb to fear? Do we give in to anxiety? Do we let doubt or confusion or busyness control us? Yes! But the Spirit... The Spirit helps us in our weakness. Thank you, Jesus. The Spirit empowers us. He also comforts us. He's also known as the helper. He convicts us. He's the counselor, right? We wouldn't need all of these attributes of the Holy Spirit if we didn't run the risk of like just botching it otherwise, right? Like, if you're like me, you read this, you get convicted, and you run the risk of just staying there and being like, oh, no. The Spirit helps us in our weakness, for we do not know what to pray for as we ought. We don't even know what to pray for, Paul says. That's so good. That's so comforting. You don't even know what to pray for. How's that? It's so good. It's so comforting to me. He helps us in our weakness, but the Spirit himself intercedes for us with groanings too deep for words. And he who searches hearts knows what is in the mind of the Spirit because the Spirit intercedes for those saints according to the will of God. According to the will of God. That is comforting. That's comforting. So when the world operates through fear, God operates through, I've given you the spirit of adoption. And you cry out, Abba, Father. And you are a son and a daughter of the king with a position in the kingdom and an inheritance, a heavenly inheritance that nothing can touch on earth. Right? So when the world operates through anxiety, the Father gives us hope and peace. Right? So when the world operates and makes you a slave to the world's thinking because the enemy wants us just enslaved to him. And if he can keep us inactive, he's done his job. But like I said, the Father gives us a spirit of heirs, right? We are heirs with Christ, it says in Romans 8, 17. So what do we do? What do we do about that? There's a lot here, right? Are we living by the power of the Holy Spirit or have we set up our lives to where we don't even need him? What are we, what are we doing, right? I confess to you, I think my life, if you, look, if you did a time audit of my life, you would see I'm doing all right. I'm just doing okay. You know, that's convicting. I don't want that, right? Francis Chan says this. When he's looking at the New Testament, right, if you read the scriptures and you didn't have any filters and you were just reading for the sake of reading, you're like, okay, so there's all this power. So these guys are going out and they're going to they're gonna heal people. And demons are getting cast out of people, right? And people are coming back to life. If you were a new believer and you had no grip what the church was or what the, Christ, or what the Christian walk looked like, and you were like, all right, cool. So when do we get to get at that stuff? 
Like, when do we get to do that, that, that stuff in Acts? And then you hear someone, like we justify, well, I don't know if those things were meant for today, and you have to, you know, take everything with a balanced thought. And that, you know what I mean? We do that. I've said that. You know, it's, it's like, come on, balance, balance. You kidding me? Okay, so he says this. And this is really encouraging and convicting. We would expect our new life with the Holy Spirit to look radically different from our old life without him. This is Chan speaking. Yet this is not what it, this is not the way it is for most people. We don't live this way. For some reason, we don't think we need the Holy Spirit. We don't expect the Holy Spirit to act. Or if we do, our expectations are often so misguided or self-serving or are self-serving. This is the part that is really, I think, convicting to me. We, given our talent set, our experience, and our education, many of us are fairly capable of living rather successfully, according to the world standards, without the strength from the Holy Spirit. Is that true? Have we done that? I think yes. I think I have. I can speak for me for sure. You know? And that's convicting to me. So what are we going to do about that? I'm going to let that bake a minute, and then I think we should pray about this and talk about this. I want us to, in our tables, I'm, I'm sorry I'm going long here. It took me a little while to get rolling. Um, I really want us to get at this, and I really want us to get real with each other, okay? And uh, unless you don't want to live by the power of the Holy Spirit, right? Like, but if you do, let's get at it, okay? So I'd like you guys to answer these questions with each other. Maybe share what you're afraid of. What are you afraid of? Why not ask for more of the Holy Spirit? What is it? What's holding you back? Confess that. Get that on the table. Talk to each other about it. Okay? And answer this. Do you want more of the Spirit? Can you confess that you've, living in, that you've been in fear? Can you confess that you've lived in fear together? And can you say, this is what I'm afraid of? And can you pray together and ask for boldness and ask for the Holy Spirit to come? So that's what I want you guys to do. Answer the question, what are you afraid of? I want you to confess if you're comfortable with that and you can. No, I want you to confess because we're probably not going to be comfortable doing that. <laughs> right? We're not. Honestly, we're not. We're not. Confess that. And then let's pray for each other to be emboldened by the power of the Holy Spirit. So let's spend some time doing that. So however you want to, like, amongst your tables that you already have, um, if you want to combine, do whatever. So we'll spend a few minutes, and then I'll, I will close us in, I don't know, five, ten minutes or so.